Let me invite you to turn to the book of Acts. Janice, thank you for that great song, and I know a lot of our college students will be leaving for school if they haven't already this coming week, so we will be praying for you a little bit later in the service. We're praying for all of our ministries as a way of kind of kicking off our new uh, cycle of ministry, but we know for college students going back to studies and and back to dorm life or apartment life or whatever life is in front of you and wondering what some of those next steps are a big are a big part. Janice sang the first couple years that we hosted the SMBC Invitational Wrestling Tournament. The first two years, Janice was still in high school, and I invited her, and she very graciously and wonderfully sang the national anthem. And so many people from the various teams that came to that said, wow, she's in high school? And I said, yeah, man, and she's one of ours. And she was so good. Well, then she went away to college, and last year wasn't able to be home for that particular weekend when we hosted the tournament, our, our third one. And it took the entire Air Force band to replace her. <laughs> I had to download the whole thing. I thought, just try to do as good as Janice, will you? So anyway, but uh, blessings on you and other students as they go. I don't know who said this. I'm sure if I did a little research, I might be able to find the one who quoted it. But it has been said that history is his story. History is his story. It makes a lot of sense when you think about who was here first, it wasn't man, it was God. And so as God chose in his time and in his way to create the world, to create humanity, to make us male and female, to get us started, and as he oversaw the, the growth of that first couple, and then unfortunately we know from the book of Genesis chapter 3 where they fell into sin, and then he began the redemption process, and all through the book of the books of the Bible, and I thought our study many years ago of the story was great. If you've not read that, uh, I don't want to say version of the Bible, because it's the Bible, uh, but it, it's just a kind of an overview, a summary of his story, of how he began from the beginning to work in and through people to accomplish his purposes and to build his kingdom in spite of us. <laughs> We've not always done a great job cooperating with them. And church history is littered with a lot of mistakes, but it's filled with a God of wonder, a God of goodness, a God of faithfulness who always comes through and fulfills Paul's word to the Philippian church, which we'll see him visit Philippi in the book of Acts. The good work that he's begun, he will complete it until the day that he sends Jesus back. And so we can take that to our spiritual bank, that in spite of the ebb and flow of history as we see it, despite the ebb and flow of, of the church as a whole, and churches in particular, God is still at work. And it's still his story. And he's going to do it his way because it's for his glory and his kingdom, not ours. We are fortunate and we are blessed to be part of that completely by his grace, an offer of mercy and love in his part to say, if you choose to believe, which we talked about at least 98 times in the book of John, putting your faith, your trust, your hope in Jesus and him alone, walking with him by faith, you can be born again, you become part of his kingdom, and he begins to work in your life individually, in your family, in, your way you, in where you, the place that you work, to where you go to school, because he uses people to impact people, and the gospel always travels through relationships. And so as we think about the early church, 
It was all about relationships, relationship to Jesus, relationship to one another, relationship to the, to the communities in which they lived, relationship to the government. And, and even though Rome was the big dog at the time, it was just a little puppy in comparison to God's kingdom. And every government on earth is that way. It doesn't matter what it is. In comparison to God's kingdom, they're all temporary. And they will all pass away at some point. And yet God in his sovereign, amazing power uses and works through each one of them to accomplish his purposes and to build his church, his kingdom, which will last forever. So when all of the things of this world are passed at some point, not that they're all bad, we've talked about that, but as God establishes his kingdom someday through the church, through his people, if you know Jesus, you're part of that. If you don't, you can become part of that simply by trusting him, by believing in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Well, the book of Acts is an interesting book. It's a, um, it's a history book in a way, and it's kind of wedged in between the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which were mainly a, a profile, in a sense, a history of Jesus' birth and his ministry, his death, his resurrection on this earth establishing the church, and then with the day of Pentecost coming in the book of Acts, we see the, the establishment of the church, and even though Jesus went away, he sent the Holy Spirit, God himself, to live in his people, so he's with us today, in and every one of us, and corporately together, accomplishing his purposes. So the book of Acts is that those early years of the church, what they did, what they didn't do, how God worked, how people acted at times. And just early on within the first few chapters, you see people lying and doing all kinds of things. You're thinking, oh my goodness, you know. Again, we have this idea that the early church was just, you know, everything was great. Well, it never was, never, it's just, it just people. And so there's going to be issues at times that pop up and we can learn from those too. My hope as we go through this series in the book of Acts is that we will learn together what is the church? What does it mean to be in the church by faith, our position in Christ, but also being part of a local group of people that are named, for example, the chapter Mennonite Brethren Church? Anyone who knows Jesus is part of that church. So the name on the outside doesn't matter as much as what's in the heart. It's knowing Christ. That's the bottom line. And trusting in him as Lord and Savior. Let's pray and ask God, the one who inspired his word so many years ago to be our teacher. Father, we bow in your presence once again, thanking you for how much you love us, how much you care for us. Thank you for the good work that you began so many, many years ago in the church, in those early days, 2,000 years ago plus. And as we learn from them, as we uh, discern the things that they did right, and we observe some of the things they did wrong. Help us to learn, Lord. We don't have a perfect track history personally or corporately. So we are always kind of in that learning curve of walking with Jesus. Thank you for the good work that you began here over a hundred years ago, Lord. And in comparison to the church universal, we're, we're still babies. And yet we're learning, we're growing. Father, would you just continue to teach us through your word? Thank you for each of the ministries that are starting today or in the days ahead as we start another cycle of ministry. And when we pray about those later, Lord, we trust that you will hear and respond and work in and through those for your glory and for your kingdom. Teach us now as we study together. 
Thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's talk a little bit about the book of Acts. This is just kind of an overview, kind of a get started time, and it seemed like an appropriate day on our kickoff Sunday to do that. The author is Luke. Luke, the author of Matthew, Mark, Luke, same guy. In fact, many believe it's somewhat of a continuation of his work in the gospel as he observed, as he gathered material about who Jesus was and what he did. Then with his relationship to Paul, he continued to gather material. Now this is, of course, under the leadership, the guidance, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to put into order the life of the early church so the church today, some 2,000 plus years later, can learn from them what did they do? What can we learn from the early church? He was a physician. We learn that in a couple places. One, in, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, as Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, and he's bringing greetings from people he's with, as he often did in his letters. And he says, Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Another evidence of him being a doctor is when he talked about Jesus' parable of it, it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone to get into the kingdom of God. In other words, it's all by God's grace. We don't earn it or deserve it. Two of the gospel writers used a term for a needle you'd find in a common house for like, you know, uh, sewing. Luke used the term for a surgical type needle, something that would be used in medicine. And so he was a doctor. Uh, crude by today's standards. I'm glad we have modern doctors today, but uh, in that day he was considered a physician. The date was approximately AD 60 to 62. Now we know that because the fall of Jerusalem was in 70 AD and he certainly would have mentioned that in something like Acts had it occurred, had the writing been after that or during that time. We also know in 64 AD Nero had an intense time of persecution against Christians. That is not talked about. And so scholars are, are, the best evidence they have would say it was written probably around 60 to 62 AD. Now the place of writing are two possible places or both. Uh, Caesarea, which you'll see on your map on the back of your outline, you may have already looked. There's a map, we've got two of these. One will get us through the first two journeys of Paul the, the Apostle as we get farther into the book. And then we've got a, another one that will get us through the third missionary journey and his final days as he went to Rome. So you're not going to find Rome on here because it's not on this map. It'll be on the next one that we'll have later in our series. But you will find Caesarea down kind of in the right corner there just north of Jerusalem. And so those, two, those are the two places that scholars believe that he wrote. And then you obviously see all of the missionary journeys that Paul took, or at least the first two, and you can kind of follow along. You'll see familiar names like um, Philippi, Book of Philippians, Thessalonica, First and Second Thessalonians. You see Corinth, First and Second Corinthians, and so forth. So we will talk about those places and talk about why did Paul write what he wrote to those places? What was it about them that needed a letter, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that specifically targeted what they needed to hear at that time and what we need to hear at our time? The sources that uh, Luke used were personal experiences. He was around during that time. He obviously knew about Jesus and was used by the Holy Spirit to write the Gospel of Luke. Uh, he gives our a very complete uh, uh, genealogy of Jesus, or one of the genealogies. He gives the Luke 2 as our classic 
Christmas story, so to speak, and in the book of Acts takes off from the early days of the church. He also had a very close relationship with the Apostle Paul. We see in Acts chapter 16 where he refers to Paul. Acts chapter 16, verse 10. After Paul had seen the vision, we, speaking of himself and others, got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And other witnesses, such as the apostle James, uh, Jesus' half-brother. Now, the purpose of the book, uh, as I read this week, as I studied and kind of read through the purposes, it was a little hard to, you know, how do you sum up 28 chapters of a book like this? History would be one of the easiest ways to say it, but a little more complete description comes from Dr. Stanley Toussaint, uh, professor at uh, Dallas Seminary, former professor who wrote on the book of Acts. And he said this, the purpose of the book of Acts is to explain with the gospel of Luke. So if you really want to get a, a big picture, read the gospel of Luke and then the book of Acts, and it gives you a little bit more of a, maybe a stereo effect on the life of Jesus, then the early church. Gospel of Luke, the orderly and sovereignly directed progress of the kingdom message from Jews to Gentile. Jesus grew up in a Jewish home, had a Jewish background, but then the church exploded into the Gentile world. Luke was a Gentile himself, a non-Jew, from Jerusalem, which was kind of the home of that movement, to Rome, and then we know beyond. Obviously, it got to Shafter. Took a while, but it got here. And so, you know, you think about how the church spreads. It just started in that area. And as the Holy Spirit led people like Paul and Luke, it continued to spread and spread and spread and spread. And here we are today. Part of a great history, his story of building his kingdom. So the overall theme then is simply the growth of the church. The growth of the church. Let me just say a few words as we kind of conclude our introduction, and then I've got uh, Pastor Brent and, and Virgil are going to come in a little bit to help, uh, help lead us in prayer. As I thought about the book of Acts, and I thought about uh, you know, the things that we can learn from it, as I thought about our church family and the things that we can learn together, it occurred to me that being and building the church, being and building the church, as we think about building the body, the, the name of my message today. And you think about, you know, if you were going to compete in a sport or get ready for an activity, uh, skiing or, or whatever, there are certain things that you'd need to do to prepare for that. Well, in a similar way, the church, quite frankly, needs to do certain things to be healthy, to be vibrant, to be used of God to accomplish his purposes for his kingdom. And it always comes down to the same basics. It always seems to come down to the same basics. As I've had the opportunity to read a variety of books on church health and church growth, to be honest, they all say the same thing. Different titles, different terminology, but I remember very distinctly going to a seminar a number of years ago up in Fresno. And when we were in the Southern District out in Kansas, Southern District of Mennonite Brethren Churches, we went through, through some training out there. Uh, healthy church development was one of them. Uh, Sun Life Ministries was offered for some. Uh, there were other groups that came through, you know, kind of, I don't want to say marketing the latest and greatest. They, were, they certainly had good intentions. But what I noticed is I read the different books, including Sun Life Ministries, which we, our strategy, Wind Build Equip, is part of that. 
Essentially what they're saying is a healthy church is a healthy church is a healthy church. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but one of the books that's circulating in our church right now is a little book called Scrappy Church. I like that term, scrappy church. Man, be a scrappy church. I like wrestling, you know, and I like scrappy wrestlers who they might get pinned, but they get up and they're ready to get back on that mat. They are scrappy. Well, churches need to be that way too because we're going to get pinned at times. We're going to get taken down. We're going to get, you know, kind of beat up at times. Well, what do you do? Quit, go home and say, oh, well, no, you keep coming back. You get back on that mat or that court or that field and you say, I'm going to keep doing the same things that I know are God's will because God blesses those things and God uses people and groups of people like a church to accomplish his purposes. Acts chapter 2, which Karen read earlier, is basically an overview of those basic things. They, the converts from chapter 2, about 3,000 people who had trusted Christ as the church was born, and we'll read about that later, they devoted themselves. That word devoted means they committed themselves. They realized this is critical for their spiritual health and growth, and they said, I'm going to do this. Okay? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We would think of that as... Bible study, Bible reading. The apostles' teaching is what we're holding, whether it's on your phone or your tablet or, your, or physically holding it. The New Testament is the apostles' teaching. They base their teaching on what they knew from the Old Testament and as the Holy Spirit inspired them and led them to write what they wrote. It was compiled over the first few centuries of the church into what we call the New Testament. There are different tests that that were given in the early church to find out if this is legit or not. So what we have today is what God wants us to have. And just as they devoted themselves literally to the apostles' teaching who were still living in that time, we are devoted or we are called to devote ourselves to the living word of God in written form. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching or the word of God and to the fellowship. The fellowship is more than just... I'm looking forward to a great meal. I was over there earlier, and it smells good. So I don't want to go over today because I'm getting hungry. And uh, it's going to be great. But the fellowship is more than just, you know, coffee together or a meal together. It's a sense of being bonded together in Christ. The breaking of bread refers to that worship of the Lord's Supper, uh, the communion we would call it also, and to prayer. So within the fellowship is not just a, hey, how's it going, but... Let's pray together. Let's worship together. That's what believers do. That's why we've been placed into a body together so that together we celebrate who God is and what he's done. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. God used those apostles, those early leaders, to do some very miraculous things and he continues to use the church today to impact people's lives at times in very miraculous ways. I've seen marriages restored. I've seen people turn around from different things over the years that would be considered addictive behavior and walk in freedom. To me, that's a miracle, as much as someone being physically healed. Taking what we have in our lives and God says, let me work with this. Let me do something in, in and through your life individually and corporately that will bring glory to me. And others will watch and say, wow, that is amazing both inside and outside the walls of the church. All the believers were together 
and had everything in common. There was a common bond, a common sense of care. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, I've said before, this is not a proof text for communism or socialism. They just simply cared for one another, and that's the way they chose to do it. Every day, they continued to meet together in temple courts. If you read church history, you'll see during times of intense revival throughout church history, when God is moving in, in amazing ways, people want to be together just constantly. And sometimes it's every day. Well, eventually they settle back into more of a routine, weekly or whatever. And so I'm not suggesting that we come back here tomorrow and do the same thing. That would be fine, but uh, I'm leaving for Colorado on Wednesday to take my daughter back to school. So you're on your own. Well, you, Pastor Brent will be here. So there you go. But anyway, the point being, when, when God is moving among a group of people, they want to be together. They met together in a temple court. They broke bread in their homes. and In other words, they ate together. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. There was a sense of thankfulness because they knew Jesus. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The people of Rome, the people of the Roman Empire were noticing something different about these people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Just a, a little snapshot into the early church and what they did and what God chose to do in and through them. But it always comes down to a lot of the basics. Prayer, Bible study, worshiping together, fellowshipping together, serving together, committing ourselves to the great commission and the great commandment. In some ways, nothing changes. It might change the way we do it, but it always comes down to the same basics. So during the study of the book of Acts, there's, there's several things I'm going to ask you to commit to. I'm going to commit to, and I, I would invite you to commit with me. Commit to reading the Bible, including the book of Acts. I'd like to invite you to read the book of Acts at least one time per month. There's 28 chapters. You can read a chapter a day, and you've got a couple days left over. And so getting an overview of what God is doing, my commitment is going to try to read through it once a week. I have a lot more time to do that than most of you. So I'm going to do that to try to let it really soak in as we go through this study. I've tried to do that with all of our studies and 21 chapters of John got a little long at times, but uh, made it through, and I learned more and more what it means to believe in Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to commit to that, but also just on your own, uh, reading the Bible on a regular basis. Now, you might say, well, that's kind of a new thing for me. Well, I just noticed in the back we got a whole new set of daily breads and other devotional tools, so those are yours to take that can help you learn that basic commitment of reading the Scriptures. Praying with one another. We have a prayer time on Sunday mornings at 9, and I was told by Sam that I think there were 15 this morning. That's wonderful. 15 people gathering saying, Lord, just, just work. Do what only you can do in our, through our lives, personally and corporately. At the end of the service, we want to continue to involve prayer. I'm not quite sure how that's going to work out with our Book of Acts study, but we will want to pray. We're going to have our prayer corner always available for people. In Sunday school, in small groups, in your homes, as couples and so forth, commit to pray with one another. Identify those in your, what I call, contacts. We all have cell phones. Mine's back in my office. I'm going to have to check that ball score when I get back there. But anyway, the point being, the contact list is all the people you know. So maybe a suggestion would be, when you have the time... Start flipping through that contact list. Pray for people on that list. Why? Because the gospel travels through relationships. How did you come to know Jesus? Was it a complete stranger? Probably not. Might have been your mom and dad, 
Sunday school teacher, vacation Bible school leader, a youth group leader, a friend. You see, God chooses to use relationships above all things to invite us into a relationship, but to invite others into that relationship with him. And he wants to use you and me and us together to reach people for Jesus. So think about those contacts that you have. Pray for opportunities to share your story. Pray for ways to reproduce yourself in the life of another person. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, Paul, in writing to a young pastor, Timothy, says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who also will be qualified to teach others. In other words, as we impact people, who impact people, who impact people, the gospel spreads. I think that truth was brought home a little closer this week as little Decker came into the world on Tuesday and I stood back and I thought, oh my goodness, my son has a son. That just, (laughs) how does that happen? Well, I'm not, I know the biology of it. But in the spiritual realm, that's God's will also. He wants you and I to take what we know and begin to entrust it to other people who know Jesus and then encourage them to entrust it to the next generation and the next generation. We're going to learn those kind of things on September 21st, Four Chair Discipleship, and I'll tell you a little bit more about why four chairs, Pastor Pat, because there's only four chairs and everybody else has to stand. No, that's not the point. You'll, You'll learn more about that. Regularly ask yourself, what role is the Lord asking me to fulfill at SNBC. You're here for a purpose. I don't know if I can completely explain your purpose. I I understand mine. But between you and the Lord, ask him, Lord, what is it that you want to do in and through me in this particular location at this particular time? Because I'm beginning to realize more and more that history is your story. And I'm part of your story. If I know Jesus, I'm part of your story, and you want to use me at this place, at this time, to impact someone who will impact someone who will impact someone, because the gospel travels through relationships. So as I think about my contact list, as I think about what role I may play here, and it changes over time, we're not always able to do the same things, God will let you know that. Be faithful and be obedient to fulfill that role. And you will be more fulfilled because everybody's a starter. There are no bench warmers in a church. Everybody's a starter in some form or fashion in some role. Well, we want to pray. We can talk about prayer, but the most important thing is that we pray. So I'm going to invite uh, Pastor Brent and Virgil to come. We've kind of divided this into sections. And uh, I'm going to invite you to pray along with us uh, quietly just to yourself. I tried to give them a little bit of an outline. I'm sure I probably forgot something or someone, but we want to just lift our ministries to the Lord and our church family, and we want God to work in and through us as only he can. So I've asked Pastor Brent to pray for our children and our youth and given them kind of a variety of ways to do that. Uh, Virgil will be praying for our adults and, and again, a variety of ministries and, and stages of life type of thing. And then I will close praying for the outreach of our church. And then I will also pray for the food. And our worship team will lead us in our closing song. Pastor Brent, would you get us started? So like I said, I'll be praying for our children and youth and the ministries within our church and here in the community. Uh, Would you pray with me? 
Lord, we come before you and we just uh, first and foremost recognize you as Lord over all. And Lord, we right now uh, put our children and our youth before you and just, uh, Lord, uh, make an impact on their life. Uh, first and foremost, Lord, bring them into relationship with you. Use us to do that through these ministries, uh, uh, Sunday school, Awana, Kitty College, um, in their schools, whether it be private, homeschool, or public schools, um, youth group, Lord, uh, Fuel, High Life, uh, the different ministry happens, small groups, a lot of things go on, Lord, but first and foremost, we want them to understand what it means to put you first, to know you as Lord and Savior, so that is our prayer, that they might know you. And then use others to come alongside, alongside them and encourage them in that, in their walk with you. And Lord, through these ministries, we pray that uh, they would find a passion for the Bible, that they would find a passion for your holy word, and they would just soak it up and, 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 and hide it in their heart and memorize it and, and, and know it, Lord, where they uh, build that foundation of living for you on the word. And Lord, uh, may they be disciple. May people come alongside them and encourage them in their growth and, and grow in their walk with you through these different ministries. And then uh, use their ministries, the things they've learned to serve, to serve back, to serve whether that's at school, at home, um, and other ministries that they might use the gifts that you've given them and, and, and encourage them to, to know what it's like to just be you to, to others, that they might see you through them. And then an attitude of worship, Lord, uh, worshiping you in everything they do, that you're first. Uh, we live in a world today that is very busy. And young people and, and children seem to, to kind of get more and more busier with sports and different things, Lord. But I pray, first and foremost, that their passion for you would be the, the first and foremost thing that they would just uh, have a passion for and that want to know you first and, and worship you and put everything else underneath what it means to love you more and more every day. So as a church, may we, that be our prayer, not only today, but throughout the year as we do ministry. As we go forward and do these programs, Lord, we don't do them without you. We do them with you leading the way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, there are so many times in a day that we as servants and we as children have an opportunity to share you with others. So, Lord, I, I pray as we here at Shafter MB prepare our hearts and our minds and prepare our ourselves to be able to share you, Lord, that we would be bold. Peter in his, in his stories to us says that we should always be prepared. Always have that. Have that love that is deep down inside our hearts. Always have that on the tip of our tongue that we can share that with someone who asks. But Paul says it a little bit differently. He says, Lord, I pray that I will never be ashamed of you. And so, Lord, may we, may we take this strength and this boldness that we gather as we come here each day, or as we come here and learn of you, that we will take it with us when we go, that we will not be a Christian on Sunday, but that we will have a life that reflects Christ. Lord, I think of those who take the time and who study your, your Bible and bring it to us on Sunday morning. And for those who teach, Lord, thank you for those but, Lord, there are others meeting throughout the week and who take the time as well. And for our life groups, Lord, for each one who is leading a life group and the hard work they do to bring the material and to uh, excite us and to get us going, I thank you for each one who is in life groups. For, you know, sometimes we think of it as local, but, Lord, when we look outside and I think of the work that we do to help others in building houses 
and then even with MCC and the work that we do uh, through them to, to reach people in other places. Lord, sometimes we get caught up in our own, but Lord, when I think of women's ministry and how women can gather together and just, we, we've heard about this retreat that is coming, but gather together as women and become better and then go share that with others. Lord, I think of for all of the different groups that meet too that sometimes we forget about. I mean, there are singles groups, there are, there are families, and there are so many other different ways that we can share and we can relate to one another. And I, I thank you for each one who is, is a part of that. But then as a whole, Lord, too, I also just pray for each one as we minister to one another. And I think of, of Carrington. And, you know, sometimes we put that aside, but, Lord, they're a part of us, and they are us too. So, Lord, as we care for each other, as we care for one another, and maybe even when we do that, have a chance to care for someone who is in need who might not be a part of this. But, Lord, thank you for each one who comes, each one who strengthens their knowledge of you, who understands you, and then because of that has the ability to share that with others. May we be bold. May we be confident in what we know of you and may be willing to share that with others. And, Father, we thank you for the for the mission of your church as a whole. Because people were obedient, because they were used by you, we sit here today because we were reached. We think of all the generations before us. Many of us have uh, faith in Christ back more generations and perhaps we can remember. And for others, it only goes back for myself just to my, my mom. And so, Lord, as we think about mission, as we think about outreach, Sometimes it feels like it's out there somewhere. Help us to remember that it's here. It's in our hearts. It's in our minds. It's in the lives that we live. It's in the people that we know. That you want to use us individually and corporately to reach people with the gospel as we were reached in various ways over the years. And Father, I thank you for this past summer, the Vacation Bible School we were able to participate in, both here at our church and in our community. Thank you for our sports camps, for volleyball and wrestling and basketball and the many families we had contact with that don't have a church family. We pray that you're working even now in their hearts and minds and reminding them of what it means to train with Jesus. Thank you, Father, for our Awana Club and the many children in the community that we can have contact with and their families, for fifth quarters, for the youth group. Father, we thank you for our missionaries that we're able to support that do go places that we're not always able to go to, and yet we can send and we can support. We think of Phil and Carol as they transition back to the United States as they are concluding their time there in Burkina Faso, and thank you for the church that you began there uh, with them and through them and the work that goes on. For Vic and Marty Weens and their work with uh, Multiply as Vic oversees worldwide missions of bringing believers together in networks and, and as part of conferences. For Bob and Nancy Craig and their work with Awana, Lord, give them endurance as they travel up and down the valley to encourage churches just like ours. For Gary and Ruth Preeb and their work in Africa and, and just the way you use them to encourage the church and to bring people to yourself. And for Cecil and Tracy Ramos as their home on on uh, sabbatical, Lord, would you just in, encourage them? Would you just uh, refresh them? And uh, we look forward to having them visit our church, too, in the next several months. Thank you, Father, for the contact points that you give us. 
would you even now begin to burden our hearts for those that you're preparing, preparing to hear our story, preparing to hear the gospel, that relationships, Lord, lead to the sharing of truth. May we take advantage of those, not in a pushy way, but in a way led by you. And may, as those doors open, may we walk through them obedience and faith. Thank you for the time you've given us this morning to kick off our fall ministries. It's been a fun Sunday, a time of worship and celebration. We look forward to being together and enjoying a good meal. Thank you for the food you've provided, for all those who have prepared it. But most of all, thank you, Lord, for your church. And thank you for your story through your church. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name.